This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranla, called butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, OK, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm Not Here to Hurt You, a brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Left Wing Podcast in association with Aldi. Spend €30 in-store for a chance to win €50,000 for your primary school. More chances, more prizes, more reason to enter. Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Daily Independent.ie's Rugby World Cup podcast. I'm Jonathan Bradley and I'm joined here by Rory O'Connor and Tom Carey. Guys, how are we? Very well. Good, thanks, Jonathan. Yeah, we are very, very close to uh, to the big game. We've been speaking about it all week. We're here in Tokyo, just out of uh, Johnny Sexton's captain's room. We had a bit of a nervous wait there uh, for him to appear. It was all getting a bit, uh, bit card of 2015, but he's ready and learning to go, guys. He spoke very confidently. What do we think of what he had to say? thought he was very, uh, I mean, it's the second time he's been up this week, but there's, there's something about Johnny Sexton where you just don't really mind hearing from him repeatedly because he always brings something fresh. He uh, he always has a little dig at us, um, but, you know, that's fine. He's, he's entitled to his opinion. Um, I thought he was, yeah, he was. he's confident. You could see, like, he's won so much in his career. He's been in these big games. He relishes them, you know. He wouldn't be the player he was. He wouldn't have won those Heineken Cups, that final that he, where he dragged Nelson back from the brink. That all feeds into the character of, uh, uh, that he is. And yeah, like he's in. You know, why wouldn't he be in confident form? He feels on top of his game. He's been really good at this World Cup. Um, he seems like his, his any body issues have kind of worked themselves out. And you know, he's probably one of the main reasons that there's a growing creep of confidence over the course of the week after a reasonably uninspiring uh, pool campaign. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, you look at really those 50 minutes against Scotland, the half against Russia, the 50 minutes or so that he played against Samoa. All of Ireland's best rugby has come with Johnny Sexton at this tournament. When they've looked rugby, it's been when he hasn't been there. That's no uh, no knock on the guys that have come in, but Ireland are very much a different proposition with Johnny Sexton here, aren't they? Yeah, completely different proposition. I mean, just coming looking at it from the outside, every time I've come to watch Ireland, they are a completely different team with him there. And I thought, you know, just him being there on his own today, uh, you know, there's almost a metaphor you could imagine, you know, uh, the rest of the team have got to turn up tomorrow to help him because... Uh, you know, he can't do it all on his own, but he's just so vital to this Ireland team, isn't he? Ireland, I mean, just in case listeners aren't aware, like the Ireland usually would come to, as on mass and do a kind of a light training session in the in the stadium. But to, Tokyo is such a big place, such a hard place to get across. They decided to do uh, to do their captain's run back at back at base. Apparently, the training facility is very good. They had lunch. Richard Cooper, the comedian, came in. I think he's been wowing people on off the ball. 
over the course of the last couple of weeks and they had a, a, a private session I think he is, is Joe Schmidt's pretty good and I think the players got a kick out of that um, that that sort of stuff you'd imagine has to help with the mood and then Johnny jumped in a, a bus on his own got a bit of chill time with Richie Murphy um, his brother was here as well Mark uh, who won the AAL with, with Mary's all, a couple of years ago um, Richie had a son with him they, they came I mean the world's media was here to see Johnny just go out and kick for a while and then uh, come into his presser so yeah it's a, it's a slightly unusual one it's not like what Ireland would normally do but it's kind of like why would you drag yourselves across town for 90 minutes on a bus the day before a game why not just chill out in Disneyland where they, where they seem to love to be yeah although uh, I asked the question about whether Joey and uh, Connor should be turning up as well and I do wonder you know if they, if they come on tomorrow and kick poorly you know whether there will be questions asked about whether they ought to have come and familiarise yeah. themselves with the, with the stadium yeah Joey played here two years ago but I mean that's a long time ago now and uh Connor, yeah, like Connor could be called upon because if Johnny feels something in his leg, he generally just passes it on because they have confidence in Connor Murray. So yeah, that is a it's a valid concern. But I, I suppose the fear of them cramping up maybe is is what and Sexton just didn't want to break with his kind of routine and they had to fulfil a press conference obligation. Although the All Blacks didn't, they did theirs in town. They didn't do it uh, here today. So they they seem to be just talked the whole day about mullets and, and mustaches, which is a an unusual one. But yeah, we were at the All Blacks earlier in bar uh, the much discussion of Gucci's mullet. There wasn't really a hack of all out of it, I didn't think. Um, I suppose, uh, you know, Sam Wildlock was up. There was a bit of talk about the inexperience of their backline. We've seen, obviously, Bridge and Reese preferred. You've got guys like Ben Smith, not even in the 23. But, you know, Johnny was asked about it there as well and kind of laughed at the idea that this is a, you know, a callow backline. And there is that sort of spine of Crusaders, you know, we've seen what they've done in Super Rugby um, the last couple of seasons under Scott Robertson. So while I do think this is certainly not a team with the level of names and recognition worldwide that you would have seen, I would go along with what Saxon's been saying, that I don't think they're looking at this as an area to exploit, perhaps. But again, probably the theme of the All Blacks press conference was very much what we've seen all week, that sort of damning with faint praise that they're, you know, they're good at what they do, with the implication being that there's a lot of stuff that they don't do. Even, you know, James Ryan was mentioned as somebody in that bracket uh, by Sam Whitelock as good at what he does. I don't know whether you thought it was a strange answer. Yeah, I thought he didn't want to build him up too much. I, th I was quite struck by that answer. He, he sort of said, oh, you know, I uh, played against him a couple of times. Good player, runs hard, carries well. That was about it, and you thought, you know, he's he's obviously he was trying to compliment him without building him up at all. And obviously, James Ryan's been an absolute superstar for Ireland, and maybe they just don't want to build him into one. Maybe they just don't know. You know, I mean, it's not wouldn't be that surprising that they, they he might be just the number five. You know, like the, I think you have to do an awful lot against the All Blacks to really get their attention. It was kind of like the Sean O'Brien name recognition factor. They have been better this week at dropping in names. Like Chris Farrell was being talked about by Sonny Bill Williams yesterday, which I thought was pretty interesting. He's the fourth choice centre, but um, I mean Ryan, I think they'll all know about him come uh, nine ten o'clock tomorrow night because if Ireland are to produce, it's going to be. Um, it, he's going to be at the heart of it, and Ian Henderson's going to be at the heart of it as well. But Ryan played last November, didn't he? He did, but yeah, I we think you just need to. Well, they probably should, but yeah. I mean, they've never really taken much, much, much time. And Whitelock is a kind of a such an establishment figure. He probably, he, he probably like if you, unless you've won, you know been in a line series against them, he probably doesn't know your name. It's just the way they are, you know. They just don't really take note. And I suppose, in a way, that's what we've what we've seen from New Zealand talking about yeah. various teams throughout this tournament. 
it's different for Ireland now, obviously, having beaten them, but there's still that weight of history in terms of the quarterfinal and the fact that Ireland haven't haven't ever won a knockout game. You're talking about going against a team that haven't lost one since 2007, but it was something else that Johnny Sexton talked about there um, just in his press conference, so we'll hear a little bit from, he- from him on that now. Yeah, look, I'm sure uh, they will bring that, that physical edge that they always do, um, and I'm sure that's what they'll be speaking about, you know, leading into the game. I think as far as that last game went, I think that was almost the turning point uh, in a lot of the law changes after that game in terms of high tackles and um, you know some of the yellow cards that were given out, some of the things that were missed would, would now be red. So I don't think that um, this, they probably weren't intentional at the time, but if they happen now, you know, there'd, be, there'd be bigger consequences. So uh, I don't think it'll happen again. I think they had a game where they went down to 14 against Australia. So I'm sure their, their discipline will be very, very good on the day. Johnny, you described on Monday that this game, obviously tomorrow, is the biggest of your career. How do you go about preparing for that, more or less keeping a lid on everything that distracts from that? Um, it's pretty easy when you've got the quality of uh, coaches uh, that we have, um, the quality of captain that we have. So we basically just listen to them. We, we, we go with what they're saying. We've got a good leadership group around Rory. and. Um, We've just been day by day focused. You know, you can't play the game on a Monday or a Tuesday. Um, we, we, we'd have done okay if we played it on Monday because we trained brilliantly or on Tuesday. Um, but you, you can't win it during those. But you can prepare really well and you can put yourself in with the best chance of doing it. And uh, we've done that all week. We've had a good week's prep. You know, guys are going in fresh and and ready to go. But. Uh, you know, we've had weeks like that where we, we haven't performed. We've had weeks like that where everything's gone perfectly and we've played brilliant. So nothing really counts until tomorrow, kick-off time, and we've got to produce the goods then. Thank you. Gentlemen here, please. Just in terms of the year as a whole, Johnny, how much has a week like this been the focus of everything? Joe mentioned after the Six Nations maybe having won previous titles, there wasn't as much focus on, on that actual achievement. In terms of the overall year building towards this, what, what's it been like? Yeah, it's been it's it's been a long time uh, in the back of our minds. This quarter final, uh, you know, it was always going to be a case of if we did get through our pool that we would play South Africa or New Zealand. With all you know, due respect to the other sides that were in it, but that was the likelihood. And um, yeah, we're here now. It's it's a little bit surreal. It's a little bit uh, sort of well, I can't believe it's it's finally here. And this time four years ago, I was a supporter like you guys and. Um, it's, it's not a great place to be, so you know, really looking forward to, to getting out there and on the biggest stage and, and trying to show what we can do against you know, the best team in the world, a team that hasn't lost a World Cup game in whatever it is, two, two World Cups. Um, so it's going to be an enormous challenge, um, but one that we're excited about and, and that we're really you know, eager about and, and uh, we want to make the people at home really proud. Um, Tom, just reading in your own paper, I saw the, the predictions from various journalists. You were one of the ones that, that backed Ireland with a sort of more neutral, independent eye, I suppose. What is it about the, about the team this week that has you feeling that they can do it? I think it's just the closer you get to the game, isn't it? You, you, you go back over their recent results, you can see the belief that's, that they have. I think a couple of weeks ago, you know, none of us, was, none of us were really given Ireland a, much of a chance. Uh, had this been the quarterfinal as it turned out to be, but you just you just look at them now and you you remember the performances. These guys have all been in games against the All Blacks 
and they've all won against them and and you can see that they believe that they can do it again and um and i think watching new zealand as well i've been really struck by the fact that they believe that Ireland can do it again and i think um it's been really interesting watching the body language i don't think the press conferences certainly from new zealand have been all that amazing this week but it's been interesting watching their body language as we said before not wanting to build Ireland up too much you know a couple of pointed remarks about the fact that you know it's different now that it's knockout rugby you know it's not the same as before but i you can sense that they they know that they're going to be in a contest and i think um i'm just fascinated by the team selections as well um you know the fact that joe's gone back to his tried and trusted 15 whereas new zealand is very much a reflection of the two teams philosophies i guess you know Ireland going quite conservative i guess and um new zealand sort of you know, going for that inexperience in the back division, the back three, and you know, backing them to back, the, you know, to put their skills out on on display for everyone to see. So what have you? You've been covering Ireland um, for the last couple of years, coming in for the Telegraph. What have you made of Schmidt? I mean, this could be his last eighty minutes as an international rugby coach. It could be his last eighty minutes as a coach. It certainly could be his last eighty minutes as an Ireland coach if things don't go to plan. Um, having watched him from afar, you do a lot of a range of other sports. You see leaders in sport across the place. What, what have you made of him as a character? Fairly inscrutable. Yeah. I mean, he's just—he's hard to get to know. Certainly for someone that comes in and dips in and out, as I do. Um, I mean, hugely impressive. You can't deny his achievements are just extraordinary. Um, so I have a huge amount of respect for him in that sense. But I, I do think it's hard to, you know, to prize underneath the bonnet uh, of Joe Schmidt. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I'd like to. Uh, I'd like to sometime, but. I don't think we've ever, no one's really managed to. I think it's uh, probably a hugely fascinating subplot throughout this week, the fact that you have Steve Hansen and Joe Schmidt. One of these guys is going to be leaving a job that they've contributed so much to. Um, come Monday morning, essentially, same position with uh, Rory Best, and obviously there's various All Blacks, Kieran Reid among them, who once they lose one more game, that's the end of their storied test careers. and. One of the, I suppose, aspects that's been striking from press conferences this week as well is the fact that nobody wants to talk about it. Quite obviously, nobody wants to address the fact that this could be could be the last game. And I suppose that's the way you have to think. But, Roy, when you're looking at, I suppose, having been there start to finish with Joe Schmidt, how much of his legacy is going to be defined by the 80 minutes on Saturday? I think it's defined by the performance. It'll just be a very flat end if Ireland go out, don't perform and get beaten well by New Zealand. And they're, they're a team that if you just get it wrong in any way, even if you get it... like One of the key messages Joe Smith's been getting out into the media this week is that we could play as, as well as we could and we could still lose this match. And that, that has been his kind of warning to all of us that if Ireland get everything right, it still might not be enough because the All Blacks are that good. But if they get it wrong and if, if, you know, if the kind of 2018 trend continues... And you just kind of wonder about the potential that was there a year ago and the excitement and everything around this team when they did go out and beat the All Blacks in such style. I mean, they should have won by more than seven points that day. They should never have been hanging on at the end. They were so dominant in the collision. That's gone. And that's kind of the stuff that I think led to a lot of fears that this could just end up as another quarterfinal exit. Because ultimately, this is the best Ireland coach of all time by his record. And he almost deserves to exit as the best Ireland coach of all time, not just as another coach who's gone out at a quarter-final stage. And four years ago, they lost the five player, five players in the week week of the game or a little bit before with Jared Payne. They had an excuse. They've no... The only excuse they have this time is the calibre of opposition they have. And, like, no one, I don't think, will 
like they're 12 points outsiders to win this match if they come in if they have this in, in, in a situation where they're in the mix in the last 10 minutes I don't think it's going to affect his legacy but if it's over at half time then it'll all, it'll all have felt like an awful lot of, of work in vain and it will be a very disappointing a very damn squib exit so it's all to do with the performance and if he produces the win it will just cement his place at the top of the tree as like his record will stand alone no matter what it's better than anyone else's he's delivered a grand slam and two other six nations titles his winning record all the firsts that we've already mentioned before in the podcast i mean he will exit having enhanced irish rugby but if they go out at the same stage as everyone else this team will be will just be another irish team and that's a bit unfortunate well i think um having spoken about it all week we can safely say that by the next time we're doing a podcast, Irish rugby is going to be a very, very different place one way yeah. or the other. So um, we'll leave it there and hopefully we'll hear from us by Monday semi-final next week. Cheers, lads. Cheers. The Left Wing Podcast in association with Aldi. Spend €30 Euro in store for a chance to win €50,000 for your primary school.